0: Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. I was speaking earlier this morning with a brother who uh, asked me if it's okay to listen to music that's not Christian. Um, I remember when I was in high school, sort of growing in my faith. Uh, thought, I was told, that uh, it was a sin to listen to anything that was not Christian. And so, 107.9 was the station that I would listen to in my 1976 Chevy Cruze, Uh which played music such as Pearl Jam and other delightful bands. And then, when I knew my mom was going to be driving the car, I would switch it to 103.3, Moody Radio. Get in the car. Joel's listening to Dr. Why do we do that? What? We, we have a tendency as Christians to focus on external acts of righteous display. External things that make us look spiritual. The Pharisees, in Jesus' day, um, were people who defined righteousness by external actions. By the things that you wore, the, the, the music that you listened to, etc. Et Let's broaden it. Um, let me ask, start with this question. Why do you Why do you come to church at all? Why do you do anything externally? Why do you uh, accept an invitation to pray in a house community? Why, why do you fast? Why do you do religious things? That's kind of where we're going today, the what Jesus is confronting. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is, I think, our seventh part in the Sermon on the Mount, our seventh study. Uh, some people think the Sermon on the Mount is just a bunch of commands that Jesus gives, and it's far from that. There are commands, but it begins with the Beatitudes, right? It begins with sort of this opening gateway into the into the Sermon, into into the Kingdom. It's about the Kingdom. It's, it's this broad, big announcement of the Kingdom of God, and this is what life looks like in the Kingdom. So there's the Beatitudes, the gateway, if you would, through Christ into the Kingdom. And then... Jesus then segues into commands by saying, by the way, I am the fulfillment of the law. All of the Old Testament points to me. I have complete authority over the law, and let me tell you what the law meant. And he gives us a number of illustrations and examples and commands of what it looks like to be people who follow God and God's, God's law. But then Jesus, from there, or he wraps that all up by saying, So then, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So there's anything that can sort of like knock us down on our knees and we cry out, we need a Savior here, Jesus, help us. Hmm, I wonder if that's what he he was going for. It's possible. It would be that statement right there. So be perfect. Like, be mature. Be like your Father. Now, with all of that weight of sort of the, the commands and these the, 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 what it looks like to live a kingdom of heaven kind of life. Jesus then turns and he goes into this big section of caution. Be careful here. Beware, beware. is the first word he uses. So look at look at the text with me. Matthew chapter six, verse. One, you see that first word after he says, you must therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware. Everybody say beware. Beware. Let's read it. Just Follow along as I read. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street quarters that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray to him like this, and then He gives us the Lord's we're going to dive into that next week verse 16 when you fast do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that, that their fasting may be seen by others truly I say to you they have received their reward but when you fast anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, one of the challenges of writing a sermon, for me at least, is to be able to take my entire sermon and boil it down, sum it up, into one statement, one sentence, if you would. That's sort of my goal every week, and, and it's hard for me to do that. But I so much I want to say. Uh, Jesus does that for me here. I, when I... I'm studying this text. I was like, oh, I don't even have to do that work. He does it for me. Right there. So look at verse 1. What Jesus does here is he basically in verse 1 of chapter 6, he sums up everything he's about to say with one sentence. And so he he did like half the work for me in my he made this sermon really easy. Uh, so his main point is right here in verse 1, and then Lord willing, it'll, it'll be the main point of my sermon as well. Look at it. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That in order to, right there, is a very important phrase that captures what he's talking about right here. Beware, he says. Okay, so be perfect. Here's the commands. Follow God. Be faithful. Be obedient. But beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness, doing righteous things, doing good deeds in order to be seen by men. In order to be seen, in order to be praised by men. For then you will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. My aim this morning is that you will see that uh, performing religious activity, doing good deeds, in order that you may be seen by other people, leaves you with no reward from the Father. Which means that that religious activity, all the busyness in our life, is really just empty religion. There's nothing there. It's about the external. Jesus uses three examples in this text to sort of nail that point home. Uh, The three examples are giving to the needy, prayer, and then fasting right there in verse 16. Now, what I hope to do is take sort of these three examples, giving to the needy, uh, prayer, and fasting, and then sort of take them and say, okay, here are three lessons that we can learn from these three illustrations. So three lessons about empty religion versus true kingdom spirituality that we can learn from these three examples. I'll give them to you to start off. Number one, first lesson is the hypocrites perform good deeds to make much of self. Second lesson is the citizen of the kingdom performs good deeds to make much of God. And the third lesson that we'll get into is that rewards actually matter. So let's dive into it. Verse 2, our first lesson right here, the hypocrites perform good deeds to make much of self. Look at verse 2. Thus, when he says, when you, when you give to the needy, alright, when you when you help people out, when you when you're generous, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in, in the streets that they may be seen by others. Now everybody say the word hypocrite Four miles from where Jesus grew up, in the city of Zipporus, there was a theater that had about 4,000 seats, which would have been a massive theater at the time. And uh, so what that means is, is that Jesus probably knew well the, the culture of theater. You theater folks, drama heads, whatever you call yourselves, um, Jesus knew you guys, all right? He, he, he bumped shoulders with you you, you drama heads. Um, and uh, was probably very familiar with, with theater. Uh, don't know if he ever went to a show. Maybe he did. Uh, he, it's possible, very possible, he probably bumped into or maybe even had personal friendships with people who were stage actors, people who would get on the stage and they would perform and they would do things. You know what the Greek word is for stage actor? It's, an, it's interesting that Jesus used this word in his teaching. The Greek word for stage actor is hypocrite. So in the first century, when you go to the theater, you're seeing a bunch of hypocrites, all right? You're seeing a bunch of hypocrites performing, acting out. Now Jesus here is continuing, as he has been, to contrast true spirituality versus this sort of external spirituality, external righteousness of the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed that their righteousness was about the ver- the the things that they did. That's what it was. It was external to them. And as Jesus is confronting this, he calls them, you stage actor. I know you guys. I grew up with you guys. You're hypocrites. You're on the stage in support. What an indictment that would have been. As an example today, uh, Jason Bourne. I love that Bourne supremacy. Um, what if you, what if, what if you met Matt Damon, and you were hanging out with Matt, and some dude comes up behind you with a gun, gonna, gonna mug you, rob and you expect Matt Damon to turn around and, like, literally within you know uh, about a half a second, um, take the guy's gun, right? Twist his, twist his wrist off, right? <laughs> bloody his nose. Somehow grab him by the eyes and pick him to the ground and be pointing the gun. You know what I'm saying? Like in a half a second. Like, and what if Matt Damon doesn't do that? How disappointing that would be. I thought I thought you were Jason Bourne. You know, we get we get so into these characters, and then we might meet the actual guy, and it could be a little disappointing. Listen, Matt Damon is a hypocrite, okay? Now I'm not talking about a spiritual walk, I don't know anything about it. But as far as like just the essence of the word, the definition of the word, Matt Damon is a hypocrite. He's not what you see. He's not what he projects himself to be as Jason Bourne. And if we think he is, we're going to be disappointed when we meet him someday. What an indictment it would be. For Jesus to come along and to call these religious leaders stage actors. Hypocrites. You are fakes. There's nothing there. Like what you're doing, all, this, all, of, all of this external stuff, like you're really good at it. Like you're great actors. Like I actually thought Like in a half a second you took the gun and took the guy down with the guy's eyeballs or whatever. You're good at it. But that's not real. It's fictional. You're a character. There's nothing there. This is empty religion. What an indictment that would be for these religious leaders, you hypocrites. So that's who the hypocrites are. This is what Jesus is calling them. They're fakes. They're They're, they're acting. They're play actors. They're living a life. Nothing. There's no substance to it. So how do they perform? What does their religion look like? Look at it in the text. How do they do it? Verse 2. They give. They're generous. They give their money. To help the needy. Right there, that, that one line. That they may be praised by others. So the hypocrites perform good deeds and do good things and do religious actions so that they may be seen by other people people and be praised by other people. And this makes us uncomfortable in the church today because we love busy churches that are flaunting their service, their actions, their good deeds to the poor. Churches that love the fan thing. Now, There are a lot of churches that give away a lot of money and do a lot of good deeds very quietly. And we praise God for them. But here's where our temptation lies as a church. We live in a day and age where the the culture doesn't think much of us. They don't take us seriously. Our temptation is to do certain things, actions, good deeds, to be busy in such a way, to put on Large social programs, uh, soup kitchens, clothing pantries, whatever we might do. Big deal stuff. So that people will take us seriously. So that people will look and say they should be in the news. They should get some attention. Is it possible for a church to do a lot of good stuff, a lot of good things, And their motive is to be seen by men, to be praised by men, to do things, to give and to serve for credit. We don't want to serve unless our name is on it, unless we can somehow promote ourselves through this event, through this program, so we can get into the headlines. Where is our heart? Jesus confronts the Pharisees in another spot. He he says, Woe to you who tithe. You're not generous. You don't do justice. What he's saying is this. Woe to you who tithe. You're doing good things. You're doing a lot of good things. But you're not even taking care of your closest neighbor. You're not even loving those who are closest to you. See, friends, as I've been just meditating on this and going through this, I have been convicted myself of the the many times that maybe I have led or we as a church have done something, an activity, an event, something good. And we have, as we've been doing that, been more in love with the idea of being seen as a church which is serving and giving More so than we're loving the people that we're serving. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's really easy to broadly love humanity. To be seen as somebody who loves humanity. I do good things. I support these causes. I give money here and there. I love humanity. It's really very hard to love a specific human being. Is it possible that we can start to slide into doing things? To be seen because we want to be seen as a church that loves, that gives, but we're not really driven by love. We're not really driven by love for the people that we're actually serving. See, that's the temptation the church has faced today. It's the temptation that we face today. God, we repent if any time kind of, we've had a wrong motive, a wrong heart in any service project that we have ever done in any kind of We love the fanfare. We want humanity to look at us, to celebrate us. We want to be headlighters. And that's what Jesus is confronting right here. Kevin DeYoung put it like this. He said, are you doing this action because you want to help particular needy people or are you doing it to be known as a church that helps the needy? Are you doing something because you specifically want to help this person and you want to, you want to love your neighbor?" Or are you doing it because you want to be seen as a church or an individual that loves your neighbor? Do we give as a church to truly help and meet needs? Or do we give as a church so that we can be seen as a giving church? There's a big difference there. Do you give individually? Do you tithe of your income and give to this ministry and other causes to help meet real needs? Or do you give? so that you will be seen as a generous person there's a big difference what about prayer and fasting his other two examples here let's let's look at him verse 5 he says when you pray don't be like the hypocrites the stage actors for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others this is also hard for us as evangelicals because we love the street corners. We love the, to celebrate the football player that, instead of the victory dance, gets on one knee and prays and thanks God. We love that. We celebrate the street corners. We celebrate it, and we love it when the president prays on television. And then we cry out in shame when the president doesn't. He should have prayed. What's America coming to? We love we love it when Target allows us to say Merry Christmas, right? Or when we believe that Walmart should put the nativity scene out. We love the street corners and we demand street corner religion. The danger is this. The danger is that we can begin to actually believe that God is more happy with us if our street corners are alive and active. So if there's a lot of praying on television, the president's praying, public leaders, Walmart puts a nativity scene out, Target says Merry Christmas, gets rid of Santa Claus, and whatever it is. that Look, look at the street corners. Like, look how loud we are. Look how loud we're praying. And we believe that God's now actually more happy with us. We're a Christian nation again. God's wrath isn't going to come down on us through Al-Qaeda or whatever. Listen, that's what Jesus is confronting here. This idea that a public display of religion will actually in some way earn God's favor and get people to look at us as religious folk. We have to be very careful with the street corners. He goes on with fasting. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and that their fasting may be seen by others. When you fast, when you fast, when you fast, meaning you should fast. But when you do, do we have to let everybody know? You see, in Jewish culture, uh, they had regular fast fasting days. Uh, so, how would the religious leaders know, or let everybody know, that the cool kids are fasting? Right? I mean, all the cool kids are doing it. And we've got to make sure people know that we're fasting, because it's kind of a private thing. So, let's do this. Let's, let's put ashes on our face. This is what they would do. They would put ashes on our face, they would not wash their face, so they would look miserable and gloomy. So that way, we see them walking on the street and we're like, oh man, that's the cool kid over there. They're fast. Religious. They are spiritual. Like, oh, man, I wish I, was, I wish I was fasting like they're fasting. so my face. And then they wear a t-shirt that says, 40 days of fasting. You know, and they put it on Facebook. Fasting day six. In love with the Lord. God's doing amazing things in my life. So that we may be seen, so that we may be praised. A modern day example of this: <clears throat> I was a youth pastor for five years. Everybody say well done, thy good and faithful <laughs> And um, and then I uh, decided to start a church, do something easier. Uh, but when I was a youth pastor. I, was, um, I would help organize uh, the event See You at the Pole. All right? Some of you may be familiar with that. Some of you may have um, if you didn't grow up in church uh, as a Christian, See You at the Pole was that time like once a year where uh, there was like a group of kids playing, playing around a flagpole if you were walking in the school. So we, I was part of this, this rally, and I would help organize this event to, to get kids pumped up about See You at the Pole. And I think the intent part is hard to that. I don't mean, However, this is what I started to see happening with our kids and our youth group and in our local high school with that event. After a couple years of doing it, what I started to see happen was this. The event started to become a public display of righteousness. Meaning this, I would see kids who didn't pray all year long, like they weren't doing their devos, okay? But I guarantee you, once a year they were wearing the syatp shirts i dare you to join me at the poll the we would pump them up you know be bold show your faith this is an opportunity for your non-christian friends to see you and 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 then i i began to deal with this like shepherding kids away from no the fact that they didn't come to the poll doesn't mean that they're a bad Christian. The fact that you came to the poll this morning doesn't mean that God's happy with you. Like all of a sudden I started to see this was spreading and it was like a if you're spiritual, if you're going to be bold for Jesus, you better be at the pole. You might not pray all year. You might not talk about Jesus all year. But I'm going to be seen here. I'm going to identify myself with this group. Because of all the population. Now we could take that to all sorts of things. The danger with anything public, and I, I'm kind of picking on a couple of public things. There's a bunch of public things that we did. The point is this the danger with anything public is that we we have to be careful. Pride can get in the way. And we start to turn it and to make it something about our righteousness. My righteousness may be now seen through these things. And that becomes righteousness for me. God's happy with me. The the, the focus here is on intent. Why are you doing what you're doing? The focus here is on intent. Is your intent at at praying uh, anywhere, is your intent to be seen by others? Is your intent as you pray over your meal at at Outback quite loudly? Is your intent that others might look at you and say, that person's spiritual, that person's religious? Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's pointing to the heart. What is your motive? Why are you doing this? Mark Dever said this, he said, religion condemns as well as seen. What do you mean by that? I think he at least partially meant this. This kind of outward show can become the thing itself and can be driven by a desire and intent to be seen by others and to be praised by others. And if that is the desire and the intent of all of our religion, then... And there's nothing there. It leaves you with nothing. So, what do we do? This takes us to our second lesson. Second lesson is this. The citizens of the kingdom perform good deeds to make much of God. So, contrast that with the hypocrites. The hypocrites perform to make much of themselves citizens of the kingdom perform good deeds to make much of God let's let's get into it and let me try to explain where i got that from look at verse 3 but when you give to the needy when you do something good when you're generous don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing sort of like a humorous way to say like look be quiet about it all right like as a matter of fact be so quiet in your giving that your hands aren't even communicating like your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand's doing over here recently in our church there was a massive need with one of our members another person came along and quietly met that need now that person will never be rewarded by men they will never be praised they will never be celebrated by men but what Jesus is saying is this. Look at it in verse four. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father sees the unseen. Like, yeah, okay, humans, they see the big stuff. They see it when we get on TV and say and, and hand somebody ten dollars. You know, look how generous it is. Your father sees what's in secret. What's in quiet. The citizen of the kingdom performs good deeds to make much of God. We make much of God not because of the action itself, but because of our heart. Our heart is in the right place. Our motives are right, and so we make much of God then through obedience in loving our neighbor. On prayer, look at prayer, verse 6. He says, when you pray, go in your room, shut the door. And So instead of Praying on the street corners and and saying, hey, it's all about the public. He's saying, look, when you pray, just go to your room. All right? Close the door. What's he saying? Is he saying we should never pray in public? No. What he's saying is this. If you do pray in public, it should be an overflow of the private prayer life that you have with the Lord. So, meaning this, if, if your prayer prayer life, the majority of your prayer life happens when you're praying, let's say, at a small group house community meeting or when you're bowing your heads here in a worship service, if that's like the majority of your praying every week, I, I think Jesus would say, be careful there. Beware. Because what you're doing is this. This is what we have to realize. The majority of our praying happens when people are either listening to us or watching us. And if that is you, we need to we need to listen to Jesus' words and hear him say, Beware. Like, let's be careful here. Like, are is is the majority of our praying happening in public settings? Or are we making much of God with an active and dynamic personal prayer life? On fasting, look at verse 17. When you fast, he says, anoint your head and wash your face. Say, look, clean up, okay? If, 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 it's, if it's truly a spiritual thing, let it be spiritual. It doesn't need to be physical. Nothing. You don't need to get man's applaud. You don't need to get on Facebook and, and say, hey, I'm fasting to everybody, so don't offer me any food. Like, just keep it between you and God. Now a question comes up at this point. And the question is this. Is Jesus saying that we are to never do anything publicly? Is he is he saying that we should never give publicly? Is he saying that we should never pray publicly, whether in church or at a flagpole for that matter? Is he saying that we should never uh, uh, let let somebody know that we're fasting? Is that what he's saying? Is he is he putting like a law on this and saying, look, it always I'm demanding a privatized religion here? Is that what Jesus is getting at? Now some people would like like say yes. Here's the problem that we we come across. Skip back earlier in the Sermon on the Mount to chapter 5, verse 16. He says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Now that is the exact same phrase right there. So that they may see your good works. Here, he's commanding it. He's actually using it as a positive. Saying, look, let people see what you do. Do your good works publicly. Now, is Jesus uh, is he confused? Is he stumbling over his own words? Is he is he is he giving himself a problem that now he can't get out of? What's happening here? Is Jesus just that bad of a preacher? Of course not. It's the very next phrase that makes sense of the whole thing. He says this in verse sixteen: Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do you see the intent here? What is the intent? Is the intent that you be praised or is that they may give glory to your Father in heaven? Now what does that mean? What does it mean to give glory? Imagine with me a philanthropist who's uh, in front of 10,000 people being praised for their good works. And let's say they've built schools <coughs> Excuse me, in uh, a third world, world country. And being praised, roses being just thrown down on them and people cheering and shouting and, and and stuff, like pictures going across their screen with them hugging little children and all of these sort of things. And our hearts are just melting toward this person. We're just pouring our love. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. Where was I? I think I was like this. What was I saying? Um, all right, so Mike, you have an awesome opportunity here to see if you can like blend all of this <laughs> together. Play. You can leave it as it is. It's all good. Um, uh, I really forget what I was saying. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Yes. Uh, the philanthrop- so, OK, philanthropists. Here we go. Uh, roses being showered on this person. Praises. You are amazing. You've built schools for the poor. Look at what you've done. Pictures, etc. etc. Okay, that right there is 10,000 people giving their glory to that philanthropist. Okay, that is what giving glory means. Like showering them with what we have. With our praises. The citizen of the kingdom... Well, let's back up. The hypocrite does good deeds so that they may receive the glory of man so that they may be seen. 10,000 people, big auditorium, pictures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look at me. Look at all I've done. Everybody just lavish me in your praise. The citizen of the kingdom. We are to be doing things, publicly or privately. Our good deeds are to be done in such a way that gives glory to God. Okay, This is, the, this is where I get the words, make much of. We are to do things in such a way We do good deeds so that we make much of God. So that roses are being thrown at God. Cheers, etc. Being thrown at God so that He is the one that is being made much of. He is the one that's at the center of that auditorium. Not us. That is our intent. And that's what He's saying here with your public deeds so that they may give glory, make much of, Your Father, who is in heaven. So if we do things publicly, that is our intent. And so Jesus here in no way is saying that you can never do any of these things publicly. But I think he would say this. If you do, and when you do, I think he would say, just be careful. Just be careful. Careful of your intent. Be careful of your motives. Why are you doing this publicly? Why are you putting that on Facebook? Why are you letting those no people know? Them? The focus here is the citizen of the kingdom doing good deeds to make much of God. So we give quietly, then, where our right hand doesn't, or our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing, so quietly. But we're doing it so that we can make much of God. By loving our neighbor. By being obedient to the great commandment. Love God and love your neighbor. And so we see a need and our love for our neighbor moves us to make much of God through our obedience through meeting that need. That's it! We don't need the fanfare. We're just making much of God through our obedience to Him. With our fiery, passionate, and private prayer life we are making much of God. Even though nobody knows about it. We're making much of God because we are leaning into Him as our Father and we are trusting in the Son, Jesus Christ, as our mediator, that He is taking our prayers and that He is speaking for us on our behalf. We are making much of God in our private prayer life. The citizens of the kingdom, they, they do good deeds to make much of God. John Piper said He said it this way. He said uh, the most effective way to bridle your delight in being made much of. So the most effective way to keep keep yourself, to guard yourself from that desire to be praised and be glorified is to make much of God. To live a life that makes much of God. To live in such a way, publicly and privately where we are throwing our roses on God. We are throwing our praises on God. We are shouting our cheers to God and those around us who happen to catch a glimpse of our spiritual walk that it causes them to do the same. We don't want to clamor human praise. Third lesson here is, is the why behind all this. Third lesson. It's this. Rewards actually matter. Everybody say that with me. Rewards actually matter. You see, part of our false evangelical piety is we believe that, uh, that we propagate this, that um, we are to serve with no reward in sight. So, meaning, if you have a reward in sight, then it's wrong. Your service now is it, it, it's, it's wrong. You should do things with no reward in sight. Now, the, cha- the, the problem with that is that Jesus would disagree. Jesus seems to think that reward the reward matters. The, 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 the issue isn't whether or not uh, one serves for a reward. The question is, for what reward are you serving? That's how Jesus poses this question. What is the reward? Where are you seeking a reward? And what we find, friends, is this. Where you are seeking a reward, that is where you find your God. Let's look at the rewards. Um, There's two rewards here in this passage. The first one is the reward of the hypocrites. We see that in verse 2. They they desire to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, he says, they have received their reward reward what does that mean what what have they been longing for what do they want they they, they want people to see them they want to be recognized as as someone who's good is generous as spiritual they want to be praised they want their face to be on the news and they want to be the headliner Jesus is saying this they've got it congratulations you've received your reward. And I think Jesus would say, whoopee! Like, you've got it. The, the praise of mortal man. You've been seen and recognized by mortal man. Yippee! Mortal man. Which, by the way, in 100 years, they'll be dead. In 5 years, you might not even have a relationship with them, with them anymore. In five minutes, they probably will have already forgot what you did. Because they really don't care. But, good job. You've got your reward. Alright, so that is the reward of the hypocrites. And it's a lame reward, isn't it? I mean, what would we really think about it? What is the reward that Jesus is talking about here of the Father? though? What is the reward of the Father? Uh, in order to do this, let's look at the text. Um, skip back to chapter 5, verse 12. We need to find out what this reward is. Rejoice, he says, and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So here, Jesus tells us where the reward is. The reward is in heaven. So that's where it's located. Which means that the, uh, the prosperity preachers are wrong who tell us that our reward is found in our bank accounts. It's not. It's not there. This means that the motivational speakers are wrong, who tell us that our reward is found with greater influence. No, Jesus is saying your reward is not physical. It's not in the physical. It's not here among you to where you can see it and touch it and feel it. It's in, he's saying, in the heavenly realm. There is this eschatological sense, this future sense of something that is to come your reward is there in the heavenly realm. So that's where it is, but what is it? We we see that answer in verse 1, chapter 6, that last one. Look at it. Who's in heaven? Your Father who is in heaven. Jesus, all along throughout this entire sermon, is reminding us that your Father is in heaven. Your Father is in heaven. And your reward by God is right there. You see, the reward for the citizen of the kingdom of heaven is that they receive that which is most supreme. You see, God gives us what He loves the most. God gives us what is most supreme, what he prizes the most, the God gives us the very best thing that he can think of, and that is himself. He, he gives us Himself. Our reward is that we are His. That we are given Him, the Father. Our reward is the Father Himself. He is ours. We are adopted as His children. He is most supreme. He is best. And that is the reward that we are given. And so we make much of Him in our actions and in our good deeds because He is most supreme. And He is our reward that is in heaven. Listen, what is is better? The well-done, Of a mortal mortal man? The well done of 10,000 people in a stadium shouting your name and saying, well done, well done. No, listen, all of that fades. It fades behind the well done of the Father, the Creator. What's better, me looking at you and saying, hey, good job. I saw what you did. Well done. Is that what we're longing for? Or someone else. My well done and the well done of any other created person just simply fades into the background behind the well done of the Creator, the well done of the Father. He who looks at us and He says, well done my good and faithful servant. So how do we have this kind of righteousness? How do we achieve this? How do we get our hearts into the right place? The answer is this. It's not in our actions. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not found in our actions. Listen, the point of this sermon is that Jesus gets us to look at Him. The answer to that question is found in the God-man who is delivering this sermon on the mount, Jesus Christ Himself, who said this, No man comes to the Father but by Me." Through Me. I am the mediator. I am the way through Me. I am the gateway to the Father. So how do we do it? Do I have to give? Do I have to pray? Do I have to fast? Jesus is saying no. I am the gateway. There is no action that is the gateway. There is not even intent or a motive that is the gateway. I stand as the gateway. You come through Me. And how did Jesus make the way possible? Through His death. On the cross, through His precious blood, shed for our sins. The reward of the Father is not given to those who are just simply religiously active and busy. It's not given to the those who are just simply pious. It's given to those broken people who come through Christ. This is why the words of that song that we sing by Jonathan Coughlin are so beautiful and so true and speak to us I once was lost in darkest night it thought I knew the way the sin that promised joy and life had brought me to the grave I had no hope that he would own a rebel to your will if you had not loved me first I would refuse you still hallelujah all I have is Christ that's all I have he I don't have righteous activity at, at my fingertips, and I can show. I'm, people aren't praising me. People aren't looking at me. All I have is Christ, and Hallelujah. That's all I need. He is the gateway. I have looked to Him, and I have found my reward in and through Him. Friends, you're not. Your Your reward is not through another human being looking at you saying, "Well done." It's through hearing the voice. Of your father, say well done. My good and faithful servant, not because of all your religious activities, but because of his religious activities. Because of him who serves with never a false note. You see, we fail at this all the time. As the church, we, we, we have to regularly be repentant as individuals. Christ succeeded where we fail. And His righteousness on the cross was gifted to us and is being gifted to us every day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the reward of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Have you entered through the gateway of Christ? Have you given up the the attempt to earn your are well done through religious activity. Do you believe that His blood shed for you on the cross for the remission of your sins was enough? Do you believe that His righteous life lived on your behalf was enough? Do you believe that His rising from the dead to give you victory through death and over the grave and over sin, do you believe that that was enough for you? Have you entered into the kingdom through the gateway of Jesus Christ Himself? Friends, your reward is what God loves most. Your reward is that God gives you Himself. Your delight now is in what God delights in most, and that is Himself. You're free. You're free. You once were not. You once were bound to this world. And all that you had was the created order. All that you could see, all that you knew was created. And so it only made sense in that moment to, <clears throat> to value that which was at the time most supreme, meaning the highest created beings. But we're freed from that now. What we have seen is not the created, but we've seen the creator. We, we have found that which is better. We have found that, that which is most supreme. And we're freed now. So delight in Him. Serve Him. Make much of Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this opportunity <coughs> excuse me, to gather together. God, we believe that you are the our loving Father, who even even while we were sinners, while we were turning away from you, you sent your Son into this world to die for us. The precious blood of Christ was shed on Calvary, the forgiveness of our sins, that you rose from the dead, proving to us your power, and your love, our salvation. You've gifted us with your Holy Spirit to regenerate us, to make us into new people. God, we thank you for the fact that our your the reward in heaven is not something that we earn through righteous activity. It's something that is given to us. It is ours. We thank you for that hope. And may we be people who do good deeds privately in Sometimes. And sometimes. But God, give us the grace to allow our hearts to be one pure and pure. That We desire that people make much of you and that we make much of you. In Jesus' name we pray.